This week on Business Brief, we'll hear from Paula Nicholson, the director of the Department of Health and Senior Services. Then we'll look at what bills Governor Mike Parson signed the legislative session and what Missourians should expect. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Braden Wade, and I'm joined by my co-host, Katie Quinn. Katie, how are you doing this week? The heat has me wanting to go swimming. I could use a pool right about now. What about you? Same, Katie. It makes me want something ice cold, like a popsicle or ice cream, honestly. I agree. Okay, are you ready to get into headlines? Yes, let's do it. Inflation increased 3% in June from a year earlier, which is the smallest increase since March 2021, according to federal data released Wednesday. Inflation remains above the Federal Reserve Bank's 2% target, but has slowed from a peak above 9% last June. The Fed has been aiming for a soft landing for inflation to return to its target level without the economy falling into a severe recession, and some economists expressed optimism that the new inflation readings signal a soft landing is still possible. The Missouri Department of Transportation this week revealed a tentative plan for the expansion and improvement of Interstate 70. The construction could begin as soon as August and is projected to finish in 2030. The state's current fiscal year budget allocated $2.8 billion to the project. The project's ultimate goal is to build a third lane in both directions from Wentzville on the outskirts of St. Louis area to Blue Springs in suburban Kansas City. A state commission focused on safe drinking water met this week to assess Missouri's drinking water amid ongoing drought across much of the state. About 80% of the state is experiencing drought conditions, and a quarter of Missouri is facing extreme drought. Officials said Missouri's drinking water supply isn't a major concern at the moment, but the state is promoting a new plan to focus more on water mitigation and making sure people are prepared. That includes the launch of a water reporting system this week for Missouri's biggest water users. A team of researchers at Washington University in St. Louis has developed an air monitor that can detect COVID-19 in five minutes. The researchers say the machine can detect the virus in trace amounts, as well as the research team tested the device in COVID-positive patient rooms, and it hopes to commercialize it soon for public spaces. Schnucks announced a deal to feature University of Missouri athletes on a variety of products. The deal is between the St. Louis area supermarket chain and the university's NIL Collective, which is a group that helps facilitate endorsement deals for student athletes. The first product that will be released is the Pizza with the Mizzou Crew, featuring Missouri football players Tyron Hopper, Ennis Rakestraw Jr., and Chris Abrams Drain. Schnook said it will release a new pizza featuring a different in-season MU athlete every two months. Okay, Katie, what's our next story? This week, I spoke to the new director of Missouri's Department of Health and Senior Services. Paula Nicholson has been acting director over the past year and in June. Governor Mike Parson announced she is full status. And what does the director do? Great question. Nicholson is in charge of all things public health. Her job is to solve major health issues in the state, such as maternal mortality, as well as increase access to care for patients. This is all done with a specified budget from federal and state funding. Well, I know maternal mortality has been in the news a lot recently, so I'm interested in hearing what Nicholson is doing to help Missourians. You'll find out soon. Here's part of that conversation. In what ways do you consider the economy in your decision making? People easily think about hospitals and 
you know, employment hospitals as employers, for instance, in terms of the economy. And what people don't recognize from an economic development perspective is that it's difficult to keep a company in a small rural community that doesn't have, doesn't have birthing facilities because employees don't want to come in as readily if they don't have that access for their families and growing families. So there, there's a tremendous uh, impact on, on the economy. In your opinion, what additional infrastructure um, could be useful to help lower the maternal mortality rate? One of the things that we're, we're very conscious of is birthing facilities are very far apart. Um, and, you know, that, so uh, there's certainly expanded use of doulas, midwives, certified nurse midwives, uh, when those that physician care is not available could be useful. But just in general, the, the public health and healthcare workforce in general, but also specific to OB-GYN types of responsibilities uh, is really at a crisis place in this date and nationally. But we've been working very hard uh, with our uh, uh, interagency partners to work on rural maternal health care issues, as well as the workforce issues. Health, like we've been talking about, is an expansive subject. Could you share some insight into how you decide what the health department focuses on? We're about 80, 83, 84% federally funded. So often it is driven by what the funder wants to occur. We work very hard uh, to, when we, we apply for those federal funds, to customize them to what Missouri's needs are. But there is some level of at which we have to be responsive to the federal funding. But yeah, we, we do a very extensive state health assessment every five years, I believe it is, uh, looking at what the what the counties say their um, needs are. Uh, and, and then it sort of bubbles up to the state health assessment. We're in the process of redoing that at this point. And then every five, five years in uh, conjunction with that, we do a state health improvement plan. So that really sort of does an overarching drive of what we're doing statewide. And then as a department, we just finished our five-year strategic plan of how we're going to fit into that state health improvement plan. Is there a way toward um, increasing state funding for the health department? Part of the costing initiative that we're doing is to, to say to policymakers in a few years, if you want the entire state to have this level of access in every county, this is what it will cost. And we have never taken that approach in the past. We have never been that um, evidence-based and that scientific in the approach in the past. So we're very optimistic that our policymakers will say, yeah, we want a better place to live. What do you hope to accomplish as director? Our philosophy is that nobody's safe until everybody's safe. And so we want that level of service across every state and local health, public health agency in the state. I would say secondly, uh, a goal for us is the workforce. We're working very hard on um, increasing physician uh, residencies, increasing the availability of physicians across um, disciplines, but, but mostly in the primary care disciplines of internal med, family med, psychiatry, pediatrics, OB-GYN, uh, because that's really kind of where everybody begins, you know, and then they get, they, they seek specialty care of some sort. We're also really dedicated to uh, storing the public trust because until the public understands that we are a resource and trust us as a resource, then we can't really be uh, as successful as we want to be either.
For our next story, I'm joined by reporter Abigail Ramirez, who has been following the bill signed into law by Governor Mike Parson. Abigail, thanks for joining us. Of course. So what are these bills that have been signed? Last week, Governor Parson signed 40 bills into law that were delivered to his desk during the legislative period. He only vetoed one bill because of two provisions relating to public safety. And what are some of the key bills he passed? One of the largest bills he signed was modifying health care systems in Missouri. The bill is designed to help multiple Missouri communities by establishing financial assistance programs. For example, low-income pregnant people who qualify will now be able to receive Medicaid benefits for their entire pregnancy and one year after they give birth instead of only 60 days postpartum. Also, a new program within the bill allows disabled persons to make an income of 250% above the poverty line while also allowing them to keep their benefits. That's interesting. Are there any other provisions that will affect businesses or the healthcare industry? There are a handful. This healthcare bill is 102 pages long with different sections relating to different aspects of healthcare in Missouri, like rural emergency hospitals, public assistance applications, opioid overdoses, and more. One noteworthy section relates to Missouri's Medicaid program eligibility redeterminations. What changes have been made there? During the pandemic, states were not allowed to reevaluate, or in other words, weed out people from the Medicaid program, since we were in a state of national emergency. However, three years later, Missouri is now allowed to reevaluate people's eligibility for the program. So does that mean some people could lose their aid? Yeah, it does. Got you. So other than healthcare legislation, what other new laws should we know about? What else did the governor sign? There are a couple that relate to agriculture and minerals. One of those distributes funds from mining products extracted from national forests across the state. It also adds business income as a definition in the agriculture-related tax deduction section and repeals the industrial hemp regulatory program in Missouri. The second will increase the maximum annual limit of tax credit for the production of biodiesel fuel from $4 million to $5.5 million. Seems like the agriculture and healthcare industries are changing the most. They're definitely being affected. But there are also new laws affecting other sectors. One is designed to boost the entertainment industry in Missouri. How so? The bill creates new programs and provisions designed to help and promote the entertainment industry in the state. It's called the Show Mo Act. Show Mo Act? The Show Me State? See what they did there? Yeah. (laughs) The goal of the legislation is to promote Missouri in a positive way in the media and entice production companies to create media here by authorizing tax credits and tax cuts under certain qualifications. So instead of having the TV show Ozark filmed at Atlanta, they will be able to film it here? Essentially. The legislation aims to make Missouri a more appealing state for film production. So movies or shows like Ozark, the Netflix drama series that take place in Lake of the Ozarks, would actually be filmed in the local area instead of in Georgia. They're also promoting tax credits for companies that hire Missouri residents that are ready to work in the film industry. They're simultaneously promoting industry growth and advertising through the media in the state. That's all very interesting. Thanks for joining us today, Abigail. It's been a pleasure. And for more coverage on the legislation that was passed, find Abigail's story on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. All right, Brayden, are you ready for the word of the week? Yes. Tell me what's your word. Hey. Hey. Hello. We already said hi. No, like the word hey, as an animal feed. Oh, why hay? Well, the recent hay shortages have been forcing farmers to cut down their herd size. 
How does that impact farmers? The farmers' demand for hay is exceeding the supply. The shortage makes it difficult for them to feed their animals and leads to them having to sell their livestock. Missouri is a cattle state, and the drought is leading them to having no forage for their animals. In Missouri, 70% of pasture is designated as being in poor or very poor by a recent crop progress report. And are there worries about when it gets colder? Definitely. The winter season is more concerning for farmers as they tend to feed their livestock leftover hay. The Department of Agriculture has made a hay listing forum and a hay directory available for individuals interested in buying or selling forage. Hopefully, it works out. I agree. What's your word of the week, Brayden? My word is xylazine. So I've heard of xylazine. It's a powerful sedative approved only for veterinary uses that can cause irreversible overdose and death when mixed with illicitly manufactured fentanyl. Yes, that's exactly right. But why are we talking about it today? Well, the Biden administration declared illicit fentanyl adulterated with xylazine as an emerging drug threat earlier this year. On Tuesday, government officials released a six-point plan to tackle testing and data coordination. The Missouri Independent reports. The administration's goal is to reduce xylazine-positive drug poisoning deaths by 15% in at least three out of the four census districts in the next year. Well, I'm glad the government is taking this issue seriously. I hope the plan helps with the number of overdoses. For our closing thought, here's Paula Nicholson talking about the Department of Health and Senior Services. We are a, a great resource in terms of understanding what does the science really say. You know, if you're really questioning the science, our staff will break it apart, help you understand what's really there, and we see that as our role going forward in the public as well. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for the music for this episode. For my co-host Braden Wade, I'm Katie Quinn, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>